Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, my name is Bex and welcome to Getting Emotional. Every week I'll discover a brand new emotion. Or rather, I'll tell you about an emotion you may well have felt but had no idea there was a name for. This week, it's Lacuna. Today, we're visiting an old friend. If you've listened to a few episodes of this podcast already, you might have heard me mention John Koenig. He's just a normal man, just an innocent man, but he's also a man seemingly capable of tapping into our psyche and coining phrases to describe particular emotions or states of mind that we might never have had a name for otherwise. In case you're wondering, and it's not like I'm trying to get you to, you know, up my download figures here, but do go back and listen to my first episode of Emma Darlin with the photographer Rankin to find out more. Kuna translates to Spanish, and I do apologise my Spanish isn't great, so Google help me out here, as cradle or cot. And yet it has absolutely nothing to do with babies or sleep. So I do say sorry to any parents out there who accidentally started listening to this assuming it was a parenting podcast. I can give you no tips at all. Lacuna is a twinge of sadness, a pang of guilt almost, that there's no frontier left in the world. Nothing to discover. The idea that the past centuries of explorers, from Columbus to Attenborough, have filled in all the possible gaps. It's a shame, notes Koenig, that as the last explorer trudged towards the final blank spot on a map, he didn't suddenly decide to just turn around and go back home. Wouldn't it be good, I suppose he's saying, if we still had a little bit of mystery left to our home planet? Some mountains left uncharted, some rivers left un... I don't know, what do rivers do? Um, some rivers left unforged? Yeah, that sounds about right. Part of the sadness of the emotion is that if some bits of our world were still a mystery, when inquisitive minds, both young and old, wonder about what's out there, what we could find, the answer isn't a given. It wouldn't already be known. There would be a sense of wonder to the world and a sense that, as far as we know, anything is possible. In exploring everything we can, we've made our world a little smaller and taken away some of the mystery to it for future generations. So, and not to badmouth Attenborough here because I don't want to get cancelled, it seems very likely that those explorers who've trekked through jungles and swum through oceans have ruined it for all of us. Because hasn't everything been explored? And if so, then surely Lacuna is a very real worry. Our children, possible future explorers, have nothing left to wonder about. No trips to plan, no unworldly enigmas to unravel. And anyway... Are explorers even a real thing anymore? Yeah, so we're, we're the Turner twins, Hugo and Ross, um, twin brothers. We're 33, dare I say now. And we've been exploring um, the world for, I'm going to say, 10 years now, um, with really a, a sole purpose of learning about our world um, and finding out a bit more about it and reaching the the, the remote places of the the world. Hey, why not? And I'm guessing in those 10 years, uh, you have clocked up quite a few air miles. Uh, can you tell us about some of the, the places you've been to uh, before now? Yeah, so some of the places, well, I'll take you through uh, you know, our very first trip, the, the most recent, our first trip being uh, a row across the Atlantic. And that was all really in aid of uh, spinal research as I suffered a spinal injury mm. in my late teens. 
Um, that was straight out of university. And then we decided it'd be a good idea to go and be uncomfortable for a while again on another expedition, which was um, back in 2014, recreating Shackleton's uh, famous endurance expedition, um, where one of us wore the old uh, traditional clothing that Shackleton and his men used to wear and compared that against uh, the modern equivalent, which was fascinating, really, really interesting project. Uh, then in 2015, we went on and uh, did the same um, type of project where we climbed Mount Elbrus in Russia and compared the clothing um, and equipment that George Murray would have worn on his 1924 Everest expedition uh, and compared that against the modern mountaineering equivalent. Um, again, a really fascinating insight um, into uh, how the early explorers uh, operated in these uh, extreme environments. And that really led us on. I think we, we had a lot of media and PR pick up, obviously, the old versus new, because sure. that was very unique um, expedition, and obviously, study. And then we thought, what can we do that hasn't been done, that doesn't require us going to either pole or Everest? And we came across an internet um, site that had all the world's poles of inaccessibility on. So the, they are defined as the remotest parts on each continent, the furthest away from the coastline you can get. Um, and to date, we've done four. So we started flying paramotors in 2016. We then flew across Australia in the outback in 2016. And then we did a cycle tour of South America and North America, um, again, both reaching the poles of inaccessibility there. And then we did an electric motorbike trip across Europe to the Iberian Pole of Inaccessibility to push the boundaries of electric travel and seeing what the infrastructure was like going from London all the way through to Madrid and beyond. Hey, this makes me really happy because, you know, in finding out about this word and this emotion, I was a bit like, are there explorers and adventurers still out there? And then I found you guys and I was like, yes, there are. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> so it's, it's nice to hear that people are still uh, going on these big adventures. And you said there may be some other one out there, you know, just waiting for the right moment or the right money. Do you think there are uh, more or less adventurers and explorers out there than there used to be in, I guess people would say the olden days? Um, I, I think there's there's a lot less and there's a lot. It's, it's, it's a tricky one because I think lots of people... It depends how you define, I think, what an adventurer is. Um, I think we're adventurers, and that's really based on the fact that we're we're trying to take our adventuring back to the, not the golden age, because that's that's I think has negative connotations, but the the pure format of what exploration is, and that is to discover something new and to reach somewhere that's never been reached before. So when we say we're adventurers, I think that's really what we're implying, to a lot of other people, and I know there's a lot of people that do it, um, will be adventurers, but they're more of a weekend adventurer or, you know, that they won't do, you know, go to the extremes as such, or they won't have necessarily a drive to go and explore, you know, some, you know, far flung frontier. But, you know, there for them, adventure means a very different, you know, uh, meaning or a very different you know, it's just very different experience for them. So, yeah, I'd say there's a lot more, you know, those weekend adventurers, a lot more people wanting to get out into the great outdoors. And I think you know, the last 18 months has shown that, that actually the outdoors is a huge luxury that we all take for granted. And, you know, in, in the process of lockdown. I think there's a, I think there's a lot of, a lot less adventurers now than when we started in the industry 
10 years ago. Right. Because I think the reality of trying to put together projects, whatever those projects are, to raise the money to go on those projects in the first place and then to pay yourself is very, very, very difficult. There's a lot of part-time adventurers. We were part-time adventurers years ago and we, we've been lucky enough to manage our brand and business where we are in a position today where we're both full-time and we have been for a few years. Um, I think it's just getting very, very diluted with travel bloggers, vloggers, influencers going out and I think that's put a lot of people off because all the brand monies are going into social media campaigns rather than kind of authentic expeditions or adventures so I think there's a lot less of us I have to say Um, I remember when we started 10 years ago I could probably list at least kind of 20 like good profile people Mm. in the UK alone and now they're still around, but they're certainly not as um, prominent as they were. So maybe that's just because we're all getting older and everyone's getting older and having kids and getting married. <laughs> <laughs> well, firstly, uh, the phrase part-time adventurers is brilliant. and I'm going to use it for a band if I ever form a band. That is the name of it. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, a great, that's a great name for a band. Yeah, big fan of that. I've already copyrighted it. Sorry, you can't have it. Um, <laughs> But also, I mean, the thing about vloggers and, and travel bloggers, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that at all, but that, that does make sense. But to me, that means in a way that you, you're kind of more the real deal. Um, so I'm even more happy that I'm speaking to you for this emotion. Um, so does that mean, do you think there are still places left to explore? Are there still places that we, that humankind hasn't been to? Or do you think mm-hmm. it's a matter of looking at the world a little bit differently as to how we, we consider ourselves exploring? Yeah, I, I think to answer your question in a yes or no is yes. I think there are definitely places in the world. Um, I think there is a far more places in the world that have never been touched and reached and documented by humans. Absolutely believe that. But I think reality is, is that those places aren't as significant. They're not as important. They don't capture the the media's imagination. They don't capture anyone's imagination because they don't, they're, you know, there's not a huge selling point. There's no reason, you know, the North Pole, South Pole, Everest, all these extreme points really captured the imagination of explorers years ago and the public because they were the most extreme points. Nobody had been there before. And now, you know, there's, you know, let's just say hypothetically that there's a, there's a valley in Alaska, you know, last frontier in Alaska that um, has never been reached even if it was reached and no one had been there before or documented it, what's the significance of that place? So, yeah, I, I do believe that there are lots of places that haven't, have yet to be reached. And we've certainly got some plans to reach some places that have certainly never been reached, never been documented. But it's, you know, how significant is that place to you or me or the general public or the media's interest um, is another question. Yeah, I think, are you right? There was a, you know, the old idea of going to Everest and the poles and stuff was a very romantic kind of thing, isn't it? The idea of an yeah. explorer, that's what you should be doing. But do you think in that way, then it's it's nice to have some mystery about the planet and, and there are some places that just don't need to be explored? Yeah, absolutely. I love the fact that there there are these insignificant places that, you know, to Mother Nature who created it, you know, all these places to her are exactly the same, but it's just the fact that humans have created this you know, um, hierarchy of importance in these geographical places. So, yeah, I absolutely love the fact that there are these 
places that have everything that another place might have, but it's just not as important. You know, they say everything's been, or there's most things have been discovered or explored in this world. But that's when you take into context every other person's efforts and um, sacrifices. I certainly haven't been to um, Peru. I haven't <laughs> been to India. I haven't been to Sri Lanka. So it's what you make of it personally as well. Um, people love going on their own adventures and explore different locations. I think explorers 100 years ago did that in a genuinely authentic way. You know, they went away for many years, were the first people to document the fauna, flora, animals, peoples, cultures, and would come back quite literally with them all on a boat and then display them in museums and things like that. Um, whereas nowadays, I think it's up to ourselves to personally explore and how you do that, um, our world and what you want to get out of it. I think I'd love to go some am to some amazing places that I've never explored. So I think it just looking through a different lens from different people will tell you kind of the do's and don'ts of what they want to do. So it's really interesting you say that because uh, not to get too philosophical about it, but the idea of like everybody has their own kind of personal frontier, like, you know, like yeah. you say, you, you've obviously you guys are so well traveled, but there are always going to be places that for you, uh, you are inaccessible or don't get to that other people have been to. So I guess in a sense, in one way, there'll always be a frontier for everybody because there's, you're never going to be able to see everything in the world, right? Yeah, ex exactly. I think it totally is. It's um, some people's line in the sand is far more ambitious and bigger than other people's. And, you know, that doesn't mean that person who's got a big, I say, multi-million pound expedition to Antarctica is any more adventurous than the person who wants to go and look at their local mountains or hills. Like it, you know, just where that line in the sand lies. So I think that's really well said, actually. Everyone has their own frontier and everyone has it's different all, abilities. It's all what you make it. Some of the best, the best trips... Um, adventures we've been on has been in the last 18 months which right. has been in the UK which was the last place we'd really think because we think you know we should always go halfway around the world to find adventure but actually adventure is on the doorstep and we found some incredible places in Scotland that are unparalleled and we yeah we can't wait to go back I like the idea that we all have our own frontier there are loads of places I haven't been to. The Arctic, the Amazon, Clan Dudno. Just because someone else has discovered it doesn't mean that it won't be just as meaningful to me when I finally get there. Just because it's been stuck on a map, it doesn't mean that I won't be excited about it when I see it. So I wonder if lacuna is something we even need to worry about. Because no one person can see everything on planet Earth. So surely in a way, there's always something left to discover, no matter who you are. But I know, I know, the whole point of this is more to do with being the first person there, the person who uncovers the place and sticks a flag in the ground. So I asked the guys if, whether we had indeed found everything on planet Earth, would this be a good thing? Would that mean we'd completed it, like a video game on hard level? And they said that if that was the case, then we should be wary of the billionaires spending money on going up to the next frontier, space. Hugo and Ross noted that if there's money out there to explore other planets, we should instead use that money to look after our own. Let's look after our environment, and if we happen to find some enchanted territories along the way, let's make sure we keep it safe for the next generation. In fact, the guys are on an amazing adventure at the moment. They're sailing around the Earth in a hydrogen-powered boat, trying to find out just how much plastic is affecting our oceans. They're really living up to their word. 
So I decided to speak to a conservationist, someone who explores the world, helping to do exactly what the Turner twins suggested we do, look after our environment. My name is Jonathan Colby. I'm a National Geographic explorer and a frog conservation scientist. So for this emotion, I'm trying to figure out whether there is indeed no frontier left. Do you reckon that's a problem? I think yes and no. I think it depends on context and perspective to an extent. In terms of myself personally, I remember being a lot younger and and thinking about all the weird, exotic, remote places around the world that I always dreamed about going, read about in books and saw on TV. And one way or another, I've been able to do a lot of those things and go to a lot of those places. And, And I remember distinctly in one case in particular, going to a part of the Congo River in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And while preparing for this expedition, looking on the map and just feeling how incredibly remote in my mind this area was and just the heart of the rainforest and the heart of Africa. And and then fast forward several months and standing on that spot on the map and just being surrounded by people on the Congo River and not even thinking or realizing that this is basically a major highway for that region of Africa. Yet in my mind, it was one of the most remote places in the world. And it kind of really put things into perspective, and which is also why I enjoy traveling so much, is I enjoy being wrong about things and, and learning that, that many things in life are not as you read about or see on TV and as cliche as that might sound, how true it almost always has been in my life. And I think in a... In a mixed emotion, that's why I kind of say yes and no. That to me, personally, I feel that I've now gone to so many places I never thought I would. And and I can't say there's there's this one next big place on my list of things to do and see. Which leaves me in a weird emotional state where it doesn't mean I'm not excited to see new places and, and go to new places. But it also makes me feel like the world's a bit smaller at the same time. But... At the same time, as a scientist, I have learned that in terms of exploration and and knowledge and discovery and in the work that I do, amphibians in particular, but wildlife in general, that there are so many things that we don't know and that it's the things that are close to us and that are smaller and and more, more detailed. And basically, when I say, oh, it's a matter of perspective, to me... I feel that once you start looking down at the ground and, and, and looking at the world around you in a different perspective, you realize that there's so little that we do already know. So I feel that in terms of exploration, there isn't a lot left out there in terms of where has never been touched by humans, but as far as our understanding of the world around us and of animals and of the environment, that you could literally go outside your door probably anywhere and find something that you don't, not not that you don't understand, but that no one understands yet. Mm-hmm. And that there is so much more to explore in, in, in that kind of more closer context. John told me about his research with frogs and how him and a team are trying to help solve a problem of chytrid fungus, which could cause extinction of certain species. Despite 10 years of research from hundreds of volunteers and local people, No one has ever seen the eggs of this frog. But they must exist, right? Because otherwise, where are the frogs coming from? I mean, what came first, the frog or the egg? 
See, this is a great example of how we might have explored a lot of the world, but that doesn't mean we understand it. I asked John how he feels about humankind and conservation and what we owe planet Earth. Because there's always an, a level of unknown risk involved when you're changing things in the environment and putting things in different places. And a long time ago, I used to be much more reluctant and very against you know, taking these big risks, these unknown consequences, and, and changing parts of nature that we don't know exactly what the impact is, but we think we're doing good. And, you know, just to fast forward then, traveling so much and, and changing perspective that actually people are everywhere. We've touched most places on this world. There really are few places that are truly pristine in, in, in its essence, that we have affected everything to an extent. And I feel that because of that, we do have a responsibility to try to bring things back to a state of what we consider pristine nature, although we don't exactly know what that context is. Since there are so few places nowadays that, that haven't yet been touched by people in some way, shape or form. So, has the world already been totally explored? Do we know everything there is to know? Intellectually, with technology and maps and the internet, Maybe we kind of do geographically and physically know everything out there. But maybe we don't. Maybe there's still mystery out there in the world. Perhaps a forest yet to be stomped in, or a desert yet to be used as a backdrop for a new Star Wars film. I think John probably has a good point. Even if we have found all of the places, we don't know about the species who live inside it. It might be worth dedicating a bit of time to finding out more about the patch of the world we each live in. Maybe, like the Turner Twins, you're hopeful there are still places out there left to map. Perhaps you want to be that person. Or maybe, like Jonathan, you're aware that the world feels smaller than ever. And it's likely that even places that once seemed remote are now, dare I say it, pretty touristy. But hopefully, like all of these guys, you can agree on one thing. Whether the world has been fully explored or not, we need to make sure that we look after it. This was Getting Emotional, and that was Lacuna. Thank you so much to the Turner Twins and to Jonathan Colby for helping me out find out a little bit more with this emotion. If you do want to get in touch with me, drop me a line on Twitter, at GetEmotionalPod, or on my brand new Instagram account, at Podcast. I'll see you there, and I'll be back next week. Bye. <laughs>